If you're a real estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Levi Lassick and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. Welcome. This is uh, Passive Prospecting, YouTube for real estate. And we are live as usual. Beautiful Tuesday morning, at least here in Dallas, Texas. I'm not sure where you're at. Let me know in the chat uh, where you're coming from. Uh, I can see and let me know you can hear me okay. Uh, oh, Stephen says, love your passion and commitment. Great community. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate that. I uh, got some good mornings in there as well in the chat. So let me know if y'all, if y'all can hear me okay. I'm assuming so since you've already said good morning. We got Seal Beach, California. We've got Georgia. We've got Georgia. A couple of, oh, that's the same person. <laughs> Seattle. Um, what's up? So, all right. We're hitting coast to coast. Fort Lauderdale, Broken Bow, Oklahoma. All right. Susie says, can hear you well. Great. Naples, Florida. Good. We got a, we got a good mix in here. Oh, there's Chrissy. Well, welcome. Hello. How are you? Doing great. Starting off a great Tuesday. Oh yeah. Is it uh is it how's the weather in Georgia? Fantastic. It's gonna be eighty degrees, I think, tomorrow, so not quite eighty today, but close. Oh yeah, eighty four for us today. Eighty four. Ah. Uh, it's beautiful. It's nice to see the sun for once and forever. Oh yeah. All right, well, we're getting kicked off and uh, getting going here. So we're talking about major mistakes to avoid when creating your YouTube channel. That's the topic of today. So again, you know, the reason we do this live is because we love uh, feedback. We love questions. So this is your opportunity. You can throw them in the chat. Uh, Chrissy, if you don't mind, keep an eye on the chat. And we'll get to any questions that you may have. Uh, and this is your opportunity. And that's why we're here. We're here for you. Uh, to answer your questions, but also I, I tend to rant from time to time. So we'll get started off. I, I just kind of made a short list real quick, and then we can kind of run through those or discuss them more in depth. Or if they have particular questions on any of these, we can go down that route as well. So we can start off with number one. We're just going to go down the list of what I put. Um, number one major mistake to avoid when creating your YouTube channel is not buying our book. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I had to throw that in there, had to throw that in there because we do have uh, Passive Prospecting coming out in two weeks now, March 7th. I'm very excited about that. And really, I, I mean, the, I would say that is a true statement, though. You, you, This is going to be the blueprint. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that I talk highly of YouTube Secrets uh, by Sean Cannell, Benji Travis. I love that book. It really helped me understand fundamentals and principles of the platform. You know, I would just say the the part that was missing from it is the is the how to, you know, uh, kind of a step by step process in there. And I know you're probably thinking, well, that may be difficult to, you know, showcase on uh, in a book for YouTube. And and I think there's going to be some things lost in translation a little bit. But you know, we tried to we tried to build it out as easily as possible, as easy to follow as possible. And it is really a, a pretty good a pretty good guide now we start the first half of the book the first nine chapters are the principles uh, we call them the passive prospecting principles that really sets up the stage talks about the why uh, this is for you marketing nerds so if you really like to understand marketing the first nine chapters is really going to dig in 
uh, kind of the psychology and the differences of YouTube versus other forms of marketing and why I believe it's superior. So I think that's very, uh, very important to understand because I always try to get people to understand the power of YouTube first. If they don't understand the power of YouTube first, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for them to, to move forward or to see the, the potential in the platform. And that is something that I've just learned across this journey over the last couple of years is uh, I was with the group yesterday. We were talking about this. I was anti-social uh, online, at least, for uh, until the last couple of years. Really, I was anti-social. I'm a little old school. I'm 43 now, but I think us 40-year-olds and above have that love-hate relationship with social media. We didn't grow up with it in high school. It wasn't there uh, in college. Uh, probably didn't come around to your late 20s, you know, maybe early 30s. And depending on when you decided to adopt it, if you're like me, I just got a Facebook account because everybody was getting a Facebook account. So I reluctantly got a Facebook account. But, you know, over the last uh, and I got Instagram in 2011, I remember, and I got Facebook in 2007, maybe, maybe 2007, uh, 2008, maybe, I don't know. It was, it was a couple of years late. You know, I was one of those guys that was always kind of like, eh, that stuff is silly. It's stupid. I don't need it. Don't care about it. Uh, I didn't even get an iPhone, I think until iPhone four. And that is something that, you know, if I could change one thing, uh, I don't look, I don't regret anything. I'm happy where I'm at in my life, but if I could change one thing, it would have been to take, internet and technology more seriously because I remember, you know, I was right around 20 years old uh, coming out of the military, you know, in the early 2000s when the internet was really starting to gain traction. And I, I just wonder, don't, I don't dwell on it. Don't think about it. But sometimes you just have those moments where you're like, man, I wonder if I would have taken the internet seriously back then could have been a, could have been one of those pioneers, right? Who knows? Could have been a, a, competing with Elon Musk on something who knows but uh, you know the thing is is I just it was the way uh, I was raised uh, and also my own mentality you know we grew up in a very small country town my parents uh, always 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 said I can't we, we can't afford that you can't afford that we can't afford that we can't you know no matter what we we lived a very strict life uh, especially financially growing up I literally got all my clothes at garage sales or from my two older brothers. Never went to a department store, never went to Fort Worth or Dallas. Uh, we lived two hours south of Dallas growing up in this country town. Never, ever, ever went to the mall. Never. <laughs> uh, my mom stayed home, cooked every meal. We ate the school lunches. Uh, we only ate out Sunday afternoons after church. Uh, went to Mazio's Pizza. That, that's when we got pizza, and I would get usually $1 to play video games. So that, at that time, they were $0.25 cents a game, so I could play four games. And uh, Sunday afternoon was the only time we ever went out to eat for dinner. Otherwise, my mom made dinner. And if I was going to get some new clothes, it was going to be garage sale shopping on Saturday mornings. And that was it. Uh, I never had a brand new pair of shoes for the first day of school. I'd go to school and all the other kids would have a brand new pair of shoes, you know, their new clothes. They would be all dressed up. I mean, uh, I remember most of some of the kids, you know, had polo shirts, <laughs> you know, polo shirts. They were going to outgrow 
uh, probably within six months or a year anyways. Uh, parents buying them $60, $70 polo shirts. And, and uh, I don't know, you know, I never really thought about it. Didn't really, you know, wasn't really on my radar. But I always thought, man, those are some cool kicks. You know, it was one of my dreams to always to, to have a brand new pair of shoes on the first day of school. Uh, it wasn't until I got into high school and started kind of working my own jobs that I could uh, buy my own pair of shoes to do that. But but that's the thing, you know, just grew up in that that mindset, that mentality, you know, college. That's why I didn't go to college. My parents didn't go to college. My two older brothers didn't go to college. And that's the way we were raised. You can't afford college. Uh, my parents had no clue about scholarships, uh, tuition assistance, financial, none, none of that. Never even uh, entertained that thought. I thought we had to pay for everything cash, which, you know, we didn't have cash, which is why I wouldn't go to college. So, you know, I, I was very limited in my beliefs. Um, and that was embedded for me, embedded in me for the first, you know, 20 years of my life. Uh, you know, and, I mean, I went into the military whenever I was 19. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, I met Michael Reese and we started selling gym memberships at Bally Total Fitness. And, you know, he opened my eyes up to sales. And that's when I found Brian Tracy. And he or he took me to my first, uh, you know, self-education event, you could call it, which was a Brian Tracy event. And that was the first time I'd ever seen somebody talk about, you know, improving your yourselves self-education investing in yourself expanding your mind changing your mindset and i was blown away by it i was like wow this is really really powerful i had just gotten a 300 dollars credit card 300 dollars max limit credit card and at the end of that brian tracy spoke for free and of course that's what he did he traveled the country spoke for free because he would sell the shit out of his uh <laughs> sell out of his programs and i went straight to the back of the room at the end of that day and i i maxed out that 300 hundred dollar credit card i had and it was something i couldn't afford that was supposed to be for emergencies but I bought, I think, six different programs, and that's whenever you bought the CD sets, and so each program had like six uh, six CDs in each one of them, which was uh, like the psychology of selling, the psychology of uh, closing, the top 100 closes, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know, I've, how to be, I, it just was six different programs, so I just bought whatever I could. That's what really started to shift my mindset, but still, those programs helped me become a better sales person. They helped me become, you know, a better individual in my craft. And I still saw that, and they taught me how to be better one-on-one -on -one sales. And so I looked at, you know, the internet early two thousands, and and I listened to the naysayers, which it was including my parents. You know, they especially after the dot com crash of two thousand and one. That's whenever, you know, a lot of people, especially my parents, were like, oh, you see, all that stuff is inflated. You know, it, it's make-believe money. It's not real. And that's what I believed, you know. And so I just thought, yeah, the Internet, not that important. So what? Who cares? I'm just going to get better at my one-on-one -on -one sales and, and try to be the best salesperson one-on-one. -on -one. And I pretty much did that over the next 18, <laughs> 18 years. Uh, you know, that's what I did. I became a very, very good salesperson. But... Uh, for those that have heard my full story, that's what I talk about as well, is that, you know, when I moved, was moving into real estate, that was the biggest motivating factor for me was to not get caught up in that ever again. Uh, you know, because now I had learned and expanded my mind so much, I started to really research marketing. 
uh, over the last several years versus sales. I was always getting better at being sales, but you know, whenever I got deployed, whenever I got sick, whenever uh, COVID came around and shut down my third, you know, my that business, all those outside factors took me out of the picture and whenever I wasn't able to able to sell, I wasn't able to make money because it was dependent upon me. And over the summer of 2020, that's where I took the time to say, I'm, I'm not going to get in that situation ever again. I'm not going to be the, the face. I mean, I may be the face of my company, but I'm not going to be the linchpin of my company uh, moving forward. I've got to figure out a way. And that was a big reason why I did not want to get into real estate was because I didn't want to get caught up in one-on-one sales again. I didn't want to be a transactional agent. So I took the summer of 2020 to really think about it and to ask myself very difficult questions, which is, uh, first of all, how do I start over without starting over? How do I scale myself? How do I you know, implement people and processes, um, especially without spending a ton of money from the very beginning? And I had to think about that. I had to think about that quite heavily to figure out how would I do that. And I, and I figured that would be through social media. And up to this point, it was, uh, you know, I had maybe maybe 300 followers from an account from Instagram uh, that I started in 2011. So you're going on uh, almost 10 years of having Instagram and I had maybe 300 followers, uh, which, you know, probably my extended friends and family there. Facebook, I had maybe, you know, two, 300 people on Facebook as well. Maybe a little bit more because, you know, all your high school buddies catch up with you and stuff on there. Uh, but that was it. I never really did much on there. I didn't post much. I always felt like it was bragging or, uh, you know, self-serving and the, just, again, that type of mindset. But over the summer of 2020, that's whenever I realized I've got to change. I have to change or nothing's going to change. And i got to think differently. And I've got to put things into place and systems and processes. And, and how do I do that? And, and how do I scale myself? And you know, as I started to research and dig into different platforms and I started to learn that YouTube was a search engine versus a social platform, then I realized, okay, I can, I can start making videos and let those videos do the selling for me. And then I'm, I'm working on just duplicating myself. I'm, I'm duplicating myself every time I make a video. I'm cloning myself, right? I'm creating a duplicate. If you've ever said, ah, I just wish there was more of me. Well, if you wish there was more of you, get on video. And guess what? There will be more of you <laughs> as soon as you make a video. And now, just on our Living in Dallas channel, we've got, what, 330 videos? So that's like 330 me's out there talking about real estate every single day. And then you look at our Passive Prospecting YouTube channel. We just broke over 1,000 videos on that. And people say, wait, what, a thousand videos? Well, yeah, we publish two or three shorts per day on that channel. And then that's where we post, you know, speaking events and recaps and things like that. But, but uh, that's how much content's going out because I'm documenting everything that I do. So, you know, otherwise there's a thousand me's on the Passive Prospecting YouTube channel you know, talking to other real estate agents. That's our primary audience is real estate agents. Now, now we have a book coming out, a, you know, a book, and that book is going to get out, and that is a duplication of myself. 
again, that is putting things out there. And so uh, that was a, a very long story of, you know, taking things seriously, investing in yourself, you know, buying books. Whenever I say you buy our book, I mean, our book will be the how-to on how to get started on real estate as a, or real estate on YouTube. And uh, from what I've what I know, like I said, will there be some things lost in translation? Uh, possibly, you know, we tried to break it out as easily as possible, but that's where, you know, people that need that additional clarity are going to come through and, and work through our digital, you know, our program, our passive prospecting program, because that's a full video, uh, you know, training program to walk you through everything step by step, and it'll be a nice uh, addition to the book, but that's the biggest shortcut anybody could ever take to get started on YouTube. I mean, because that wasn't in place whenever I started. YouTube Secrets was there, yes, but it didn't really teach how to. It taught fundamentals and principles. YouTube Formula came out. Now, YouTube Formula, there is some things in there about you know definitely how to design thumbnails, but I always felt like that was a book really designed for. Mr. Beast of the world, you know, people looking to get 20, 30 million views. I mean, they're talking about having five different thumbnails. And if it doesn't get a thousand views in the first minute, they'll switch out thumbnails. I mean, they, I mean, that's just very, very dialed in on your channel. I don't know uh, many real estate agents that do that, that are, are, are looking for the viral con. Now, Hey, nothing wrong with that. And if you want to reach a, a larger audience that way, then that would be the way to do it. We just, we want, I wanted to focus on hyper local, you know, focus on content for my uh, area and turnover real estate clients. Um, some, there are some agents out there that have a, a national audience. They talk about more general things in real estate. So they kind of give overviews and look at the national uh, and that gets them referrals. But I'd rather bring in business locally and get 50 or 100% of that commission versus referring everything out at 25%. And then also, uh, you know, depending on a whole network of agents to do that. I think it's lucrative and I think it's a, a definitely a, a good business model. And maybe I get to that point one way or another. I think that's that may be a direction I head to in general. But otherwise, we know that hyper-local in our city is very profitable and drives and you can drive a lot of business by focus on focusing on hyper local content versus just talking about national trends and and information and things like that so yeah number one um, really not taking the shortcut I think that is a big mistake uh, you know in starting your YouTube channels not taking a shortcut at least at least with the book of passive prospecting coming out I mean that's a that's gonna definitely be a shortcut for the least amount of money a very low barrier of entry to do that that's on March 7th so uh, you know and uh, number two I'd say learning you know uh, number two it kind of falls in line with that and that's uh, doing your research learning from somebody that has been there like ourselves so you know you can go on passive prospecting YouTube channel for free and gather quite a bit of information from there. So if we move on to you know number three, now just depending on if you do this on your own, then these are the mistakes that people will make if they're going out on their own. Is you want to make a plan. You want to put a plan in place, and that means once you've studied everything, what I call hyper learning. You know because if 
if if you don't take the shortcut, which is fine, that's everyone's uh, own choice to do what they want to do. If you don't buy a book or, or work with us one way or another, uh, then then you can go out there and there's a ton of information. You can buy YouTube secrets, you can buy YouTube formula, uh, but if you're going to buy the books, you might as well buy passive prospecting in there. There's probably eight or nine other marketing books on YouTube uh, that you can buy, which I did, but I will save you the trouble. Most of them are you know, just very basic, generic, uh, and um, nothing specific. So, and then you can, of course, watch YouTube videos. You know, I watch Nick Nimmin, D Nimmin, uh, Video Influencers, Think Media, Roberto Blake, you know, these types of channels, uh, Daryl Eves, you know, those types of channels help me understand uh, YouTube even more, help me understand the platform of YouTube. And then I started to figure out, you know, how could I apply real estate to that? So, you know, in all that research, that's whenever, that's where I learned about, you know, uh, publishing. When, you know, publishing two, three, you know, should it be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten videos a week? What's the right number? What's the right days of the week? You know, should you stay consistent? Should you publish every week, every other week? I mean, just all those types of things. Um, I started to, as I researched and read and watched video, videos, actually built out a plan start to build out your business plan if you treat youtube like a hobby it will pay you like a hobby if you treat youtube like a business it will pay you like a business and who do you know that has written out a business plan for a social media platform uh, not a lot of people that i know and so once you start to study and really get involved in, in gathering your information then start to create your business plan so you know exactly what you plan to do at least for the first six months of the channel now that could all change it's all subject to change and you've got you want to be flexible but if you at least map out the first six months of the channel then you're not going to wonder on a week-by-week -week basis of what you're doing or even a day-by-day -day basis you're gonna have a clear understanding and a path of what to do what to film how to film it when to publish it uh, what you should and so that's what you're gonna do uh, by building out your business plan. Um, otherwise, I mean, the, our book, Passive Prospecting, is going to be pretty much like the business plan. It is the format that I followed is just on paper. So again, a, a simple way to cheat there. But not even cheat, it's just model. I mean, it's it's being put out there, so I wouldn't even use that word. But it's a shortcut. That's that's more of the appropriate word. Is a, It's a shortcut. So, you know, making the plan and understanding what you are going to do because I didn't wonder whenever I started I knew uh, when I wanted to publish how often I wanted to publish what videos I was shooting uh, you know those types of things how to what descriptions I wanted uh, hashtags you know all that stuff I, I just had that written out so for the first six months I, I knew where I was going where I was headed and then uh, so number four would be you know batch recording and whenever I say batch recording a lot of people associate batch recording with recording everything in one day which it can be you know it could be recording two three four five if it's more than one video you're batch recording right if you record two or three videos uh, within two hours that's batch recording all right and that could be your next week's worth of content but what we've recommended is at least get three to four weeks of content ready to go and filmed and edited and scheduled you know because uh, this is where i've seen a lot of people i just spoke with somebody yesterday that started their channel 
uh, almost four months ago. You know, now they they hadn't published their first video, but most people will publish their first video and then they won't publish for another two or three or four months. And that will kill your channel quicker than anything. Uh, so, you know, I, I looked at somebody, I did a channel review on somebody the other day and one of their videos like took off. Their very first video took off. And then what did they do? They didn't publish a second video till uh, two or three weeks later. And then that one took off, but about half as much. And when I say took off, it was like 20,000 views for their first video. It was clearly an anomaly that doesn't happen all the time, but for whatever reason, they published the right topic, the right video at the right time. It took off like 20, the next video they published, it took them two or three weeks to follow up. Do a video, 10,000. By the third video, uh, it was like 2,000. And then it, it just completely dropped off from there, but they were only publishing about every three, maybe four weeks. And they got, you know, six, seven months down the road and had basically like six, seven videos, you know, and then it just dropped into the 100s. So I don't believe, I believe they caught, you know, they caught a break, but then didn't capitalize on that, didn't publish consistently or frequently enough to provide the audience what it was looking for. You know, and sometimes, I mean, YouTube can pick up a video and push it out, but still, if you see that, you want to double down. I mean, I think you want to make a lot more content. You want to you want to look at what was that video, what was it on, what area, all those types of factors because you may may you may want to make another one as quickly as possible as soon as possible which is what I would do and that's what we've always talked about as well is that once you map out your first uh, you know a couple of months worth of videos is start out you know film two videos on each area so if you got your top 15 suburbs that you want to work or even the top 10 you know if it's your top 10 you should have 20 videos easily ready to go and you should have four videos um, for each one but you want to start with those first two start with those first two and go down the list the first suburb second suburb third suburb fourth fifth so on but if you get to the fifth suburb and the second or third one starts to take off don't just run through your list like stop go back look at that video figure out what happened what's different is it the area did you do something different and then make a third and fourth video off of that so you can try to capitalize on that and then you can get back to your cadence or your plan so you want to have that plan in place but you also want to be flexible on it because you want to watch every single aspect of your channel in the beginning now we don't dive too heavily into analytics or anything like that because uh, I don't know. You know, there some people think that that's really, really important. I believe that it's uh, phone calls. <laughs> the phone calls is the most important thing, and we've seen it where uh, we've had people launch channels and had two videos out there, and they've gotten you know twenty, thirty views on each channel, but then they got a call. So again, uh, analytics on those videos is not going to tell you anything. But you got a call, and that's what you I think you want to gauge your your success by is whether or not the phone's ringing and that was our only goal was can we make the phone ring and if the phone is not ringing then it's something in your content it's probably nothing to do with your analytics and so you got to look at your content and start to you know analyze your content and say okay what am i doing what could i do differently how could i get better those types of things so you know but that should also be a part of your you know you don't know how you'll act and, and be on camera but that's why you have to continually work towards uh, that and I don't want to jump too far ahead but I would say number five 
is going to be consistency at that point, which we really just kind of talked on for the fact that if you, you know, batch record and batch record could mean also just filming 10, 15 videos before you publish. But if you do that, think about that. If you're, if you're going to publish two videos a week, you only need eight videos for a month's worth of content. I think everybody is capable of filming eight videos and getting those scheduled out so that you have a month's worth of content planned ahead, scheduled, ready to go. And that will save you in case there's any interference that comes up, anything that gets in your way, anything that derails you for a week or two. Uh, you just never know. So uh, anything can come up, life, health, family, real estate. I mean, it all happens to us. So we want to be... Uh, scheduled in advance so that we don't fall to inconsistency because inconsistency will just kill your channel quicker than anything. And and then that that leads into number six, which is not improving. And so again, doesn't really matter the views or the subscribers, although views and subscribers, the more of them definitely help out. I'm not sure about subscribers, but views definitely, the more views, the better. But you you want people ringing the phone, calling the phone, calling you on the phone, you know, sending you texts, scheduling Zoom calls. That's when you know your content is working. Um, no amount of analytics or you know any of that is going to matter. Now, if you start getting more calls after a particular video, then you probably want to go back and look at that video. But again, you want to look at the content. What uh, what's taking place in the content? What am I talking about? What area? You know what tags titles hashtags how does my thumbnail look you want to analyze the video over the analytics and that's why we don't really get a lot into analytics because i can't really correlate it you know to anything i can't i can't correlate it because uh one our most popular video or one of our most popular videos uh got 18,000 views in one day in one day, 18,000 views. And you look at our chart and it's a, like a huge spike. So that's what we call the mini viral. You know, it's not a million, it's not 100,000, but 18,000 views in one day, that's a lot on YouTube. It's a lot. And that video currently sits around 70,000 views right now and it's still growing. So, uh, and it's about six months old. So uh, it got, you know, 18,000 in one day. And now it's been steady to get uh, a couple of thousand a month since then. But that that month, our our leads were down, you know, quite a bit. So what happened? Well, the video did well, but that was right during the month of the market change, the market shift, and rates, you know, doubling and tripling overnight, and that just that dried up the phone calls. So you know, for us at that time, at that moment, what I realized was, well. Content could be good as well, but you know, again, conditions of the market can also determine that. So, I'm looking for a lot more consistency. We, you know, it was it was nice when it was wild, wild west, but we also don't want to be at the bottom end of that whenever it seems like the phone is not ringing. But, you know, I, I think we have at least weathered that storm. At least it appears for it now. Did make fourth quarter a lot less desirable than we wanted to uh you know we had some pretty good projections leading into third and fourth quarter and that completely changed everything so there was an impact but we were still having the phone ring and we were still getting clients and still putting deals under contract in november and december not as much as we wanted to or thought was going to happen based on the first half of the year but 
it was still happening. And then January, first two weeks of January, very quiet. And then all of a sudden, uh, the last two weeks of January started to really pop off. Uh, I think yesterday, over the last two days, we just put four deals under contract. So, uh, and that was by eight, you know, four different agents on the team. So we're seeing, and uh, the last half of January, the last two weeks, I think we put eight, eight deals under contract, and uh, which was nice. You know, it's good to do that. I mean, if we can get back to one a day, <laughs> that would be amazing. So you know, uh, but at the same time, I know that's outside factors, that's outside market, that's rates, things like that. So what can I do? Well, you can make videos on trying to explain the situation a lot better. We'll do that. We do that in our lives. We're uh, hosting a live tonight, and we'll talk about that stuff. And that's where we talk through that on oh, these open Q&A forums that allow people to ask questions. And guess what? After we do a live tomorrow, we're probably going to have four to five reach outs just from that live. So if we can answer people's questions, get them comfortable, you know, help them understand. I heard this saying the other day, it's not, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. So if you're having a discussion with your clients, you should be asking them, you know, how long do they plan to be in the market? Because another quote I love, which is equity comes and equity goes, but the cash will always flow. So it really depends. Now that's more of an investor quote, but what they're saying is that equity is irrelevant uh, if you're not planning to sell. Most people, when they buy a home, at least as a primary residence, will stay there typically right now, statistically, between three to five years. So if that's the case, uh, given no unforeseen circumstances come up, now if there's a death in the family or you know major accident or life situation, you again, you can't time the market. And if you, and that happens all the time, there's people that have to sell. Uh, whenever they don't want to and then equity absolutely matters but that's just not the case with everyone and so statistically right now if somebody buys a, uh, a personal residence primary residence they're going to be there between three to five years and that's where you have to help people understand that uh, even if you buy right now I mean right now you have the opportunity to get concessions rate buy downs uh, cash back no closing cost you know Owners pay for all kinds of stuff. You can work that in right now. So is it, uh, and then you have the opportunity to refinance later. If rates drop down, they, they likely will. And if you do that in six months, it's really not going to be that big of a deal. Now, will it, and will it impact? It just depends on the interest, uh, you know, how much that drops or the, uh, to, to affect your payment. But otherwise, What's the market going to appreciate? And if you start to help people understand appreciation in your market too, uh, you know, we're fortunate to be in Dallas. Things are holding pretty steady and appreciation is still growing. So what could they lose by waiting in six months or a year? Um, you know, and calculate that for them. Calculate what are they going to pay in rent? What are they going to lose in appreciation? Um, you know, and all that compare it to what if, percentage rates do go down one or two percent is there a big difference well you know or do you want to get some concessions or get some money off so uh, i'm looking at buying a a, a new house right now and uh, we're gonna get 40k 40k off is where we're at right now 40k off so and it's and it's uh i think it's a, a steal at a at a price per square foot now the other thing is is that i'm not worried about the interest rate 
because again, it's, it's more about the budget and then what I know I'm capable of doing in the future. And if rates do pop down in six months, eight months, I'm okay with that. I'll be able to refinance and it's not going to make a huge impact, uh, in the overall grand scheme of things. But, but, uh, we know people that are, are buying right now, of course, because it's the right time for them. So, you know, again, but I plan to also hold that house, uh, at least, uh, you know, I don't, it's definitely not my forever home. And, but I do believe I'll be there for two, three years before deciding what to do on the next primary residence. But I do know at that time, that home is going to be worth way more. I'm getting it at an amazing price per square foot and in a, in a great neighborhood. And that's, those are the important things. What I believe it will be worth in two to three years. Now I wouldn't sell it even in two to three years. Um, but there's an opportunity for strong rental there as well. Uh, you know, I'm in a position now too, based on all my research and things I'm looking into. I, I don't, if I'm getting hold of properties now, I don't think I'm ever going to sell them, uh, you know, at least for the time being, unless you're doing a specific fix and flip. But uh, I sold a lot of my property, actually all my property off back in 2019. I thought, you know, right, right before I got into real estate, by the way, you know, I did some part-time investing. I had seven rental properties and I was kind of dealing, uh, tired of dealing with it. I had seller or I had landlord fatigue, but again, I wasn't following the people I'm following now. I wasn't digging into my own self-education and learning and understanding the importance of not just equity, but where true wealth comes from is the appreciation of assets. It's the appreciation of assets. So what assets do you hold? Number one, a YouTube channel is an asset. It's a digital asset. And the more you build that up and the more you grow your YouTube channel, you are building a, a digital asset that is valuable, that can be transferred and sold. So that's number one. Number two, homes, real estate, those are assets. Um, they will appreciate. <laughs> they will appreciate. Will there be some fluctuation? Sure. Could they lose some value? Yeah, but if you're not selling uh, within a year, time frame, maybe two, you're usually back up to normal or even above that. You know, look at any lows um, in stocks or real estate, any drops, it usually rebounds even greater. So that's an asset, but there's no other asset you can grow at a significant pace than, than your own business. And that, you know, it's, you're, you're not going to appreciate, real estate's not going to appreciate a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand percent in a month or a year, but your business can, your business can appreciate uh, ten thousand or a thousand percent, you know, based on the growth and the revenue and the, what you do and, you know, how you market and advertise. But that's the, that's the number one way um, is, is growing a business and building it up to, to bring in more revenue and more profit. And that is an appreciation of an asset. So, you know, and I just, I didn't understand that. I liked real estate. I, you know, I like to dabble in it, but again, I was a part-time, I would say a part-time investor, just kind of doing some stuff here and there. And even whenever I was doing it, I didn't really look into it. And that is something that I just promised to myself, I'm not going to do that anymore. And, you know, in 2019, I, <laughs> I had landlord fatigue and I, and I wasn't looking at apps and systems and processes and things that I could put into place for those seven rentals. Um, I thought again, it had to depend on me that was still in that mindset of, Oh, I had to do everything. 
And so that's why I let it go, you know, which hell, if I would have held it on, <laughs> held on to that stuff or, you know, of course, nobody, at least I didn't see a pandemic coming. And if I would have just held on to those seven properties for another year, maybe year and a half, I probably could have sold them for who knows, an extra 50, 70,000 each, you know, but I wasn't in the market. I wasn't, I wasn't educating myself on that, but all of those were lessons learned. So whenever I lost my business in April of 2020, when everything shut down, I'm fortunate I was financially savvy and, and, you know, had savings to sit back and, and think about this stuff. And that's what I did. I had to evaluate myself. I had to think about things. I had to go, okay, where did I go wrong? <laughs> where, how do I change this stuff? And, and that's, you know, and I had been looking at marketing, but I hadn't really done a deep dive. And that's whenever I realized how powerful, how more powerful marketing is versus sales. And, and there's the scalability there. And it's the opportunity to scale yourself. So, so that's what I started to really look at. And so, uh, you know, improvement comes with growing and learning. And now that I'm back into it, uh, you know, working on Airbnbs right now, I think I've got that down pretty well. So, and immediately I know that my house I'm in, I'm going to be like, I'm simply turn the whole house into an Airbnb at that point. I know the area, I know the neighborhood, I know what the returns can be and, and even factoring in for uh, minimal amount of bookings, it's still going to be profitable. And uh, the way I see it is that calculated, even on a minimum, uh, even on a minimum of what I'm looking for, it could it the Airbnb will easily pay for not only this house, uh, but for the the new house as well. So, in my opinion, that's uh, well. In my opinion. Really, you look at that, that's having two homes uh, and no cost. That's zero cost because the Airbnb income could easily cover both the mortgage, taxes, everything on both of those properties. It's just a different way to start looking at things. And then I'll be looking at uh, um, new, new things to inquire, which right now I'm working on a deal. I won't disclose it today. I'll disclose it by next week because I should have it under. Actually, I've already submitted the offer this morning. But once I have that executed, I'll probably share that next week because I'm super excited about that deal I'm working on. And that's a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. So I'll talk about that next week. But otherwise, uh, so to recap on the list, and I'll check the chat, see if there's any questions. Number one, uh, as far as mistakes about starting on YouTube, number one is not buying our book, <laughs> Passive Prospecting. Uh, number two, not working with us or at least learning from us. Uh, which you can do that at no cost, really, if you want. Just watch all of our content. Number three, not making a plan. Number four, uh, not batch filming and, and getting scheduled out, you know, two to four weeks in advance before you publish so that you, you don't run into any snags. Or if you do run into snags, you have two to four weeks worth of content ready to go when you actually do start. Uh, number five is consistency, and number six is is not improving. Um, so uh, number five would be not staying consistent, and number six would be not improving. So even as you start to publish and start to work through your plan and do video, you want to go back and analyze. Uh, you know, I watch all my videos. It's not 
it's not an ego thing. I'm looking for mistakes and improvements and what can I do better? Uh, I'm also looking at editing. How is editing done? How can we do better on editing? So, and I can do that with one passing uh, and that's, that's the key. So I'm always looking at how do I improve and get better and go from there. So Chrissy, is there anything you would like to add in there? Uh, did you have your own list or is there anything you'd like to add a uh, number seven or eight? Yeah, um, I would say one of the biggest mistakes that people make is just over scripting their videos too and trying to do something exactly the same way as somebody else has done it. You know, we we give you guys and we purposely don't give people scripts. We get this question all the time and we don't give like exact scripts for certain things. Now we will, you know, give you suggestions on kind of the format for like the opening, the hook, the intro, that type of thing. Um, but we don't over script our videos because it's not authentic and people can read that authenticity through the screen it's very apparent on on youtube you can't really hide behind a script very easily on a long form video especially so over scripting a video and trying to overthink your your content will really hurt you in the very beginning and it, and it comes across very inauthentic so just making sure that you're very authentic on the screen and part of that comes down to really understanding like how you want to present your material you know uh, i talk about brand archetypes a lot um and i think it's really important to understand your own personal flow when you're going into a video and not necessarily trying to be the next person next to you right like you you have a completely different energy about you when you are on script or when you're on on um on video and so if you're trying to copy somebody exactly that's where a lot of channels fail from the very beginning it comes across pretty stiff with people when when they're trying to be somebody or trying to emit a certain energy when that's not naturally your personal flow so i would definitely say you know, you want to model and not copy. And we talk about this quite a bit um, and, and kind of find your own personal flow with things. And that will help your channel to be a lot more successful from the very beginning. Um, another thing I would mention too, is just to make sure that you're not obsessing over numbers or expecting a, res a result too quickly. Because at the very beginning of a channel, if you're expecting to get a call within your first week or even your first month, you may be very disappointed because it is a slow burn. YouTube, especially on the long form side, it is something that you grow and you build to create a machine. It's not something that instantly starts pumping out leads for most people. Now we do have that exception from time to time, but generally speaking, it's not just like a one hit wonder where you go in and you do your first video and 10 people call you. It's something that you have to expect that you're going to be building over time. So set your expectations correctly. And as long as you set that up, you have that consistency and you, you bear in mind that things aren't going to happen immediately. You will start to get leads from that, but it does take patience and time. And the people who look at numbers and think, oh man, I'm not successful because that last video only my first video only got 15 views or oh I, I'm not successful because I see somebody else in my market that got 10,000 views on their video and I only got 15 views well you never know if somebody's running ads to their to their videos and to their channel you never know if they're actually you know if they've even been in the market long enough to get leads you never know if they're actually getting leads from their channel at all we run into people who have huge numbers and barely bring in any leads on youtube you'd be very surprised so don't compare and then just set yourself up with good expectations and that will really help you at the beginning of your channel especially yep yeah that's a good point too especially on uh I've seen, I just saw a new channel. Um, I just saw a new channel and they, 
you know, they had they did a couple of builder videos. All their other videos have about a hundred views. Their builder videos have like twenty thousand views. And it's like, hmm, interesting. But I do know that, you know, some people will work with builders and builders are happy to spend money, you know, and they're happy to co brand and and they, they can throw some ads some ad spin behind those model home tours or things like that. Um, you know, we've been testing out some model home tours on our channel and they're not, uh, they're not performing as well as our regular stuff. But that's, again, that's something we're testing, uh, you know, and for me, it is, is what we are, are always working on. We're testing everything and we, we're, we're trying out this model home series. I know some channels have done well off of that, as far as I know. And that, again, Chrissy just made a very valid point as far as, uh, you know, some views and subscribers. But at the same time, uh, what type of business is being generated from them? For some reason, um, they uh, they may have some special sauce on the on the builders. They, they could be running ads. It could be organic. I'm not sure until I have a, a full conversation with them again. But, you know. Uh, but we're testing it based on our own assumptions and what we want to try out. And uh, yeah, I mean, some of those, the model home tours are not going as strong, but our regular content is doing well. And some of the videos that we've upgraded and improved on are doing much better. And so, you know, it's just a constant, uh, it's constant process of, of trying to get better. Uh, I'm going to jump on the chat real quick, check out, see what we got. Um, Cindy says, thank you, phenomenal room. Thank you, Cindy. Good to hear from you as well. How about videos that target sellers, landlords, so they list with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pauline asked about seller videos. Yeah, we do seller videos, and and uh, as we see more and more listings you know, coming from our channel, uh, that's what you got to do. You have to, you have to create evergreen content, evergreen videos that are based on listings. Uh, not the regular old boring. Hey, I'm here at 123 Main Street, and let me show you this this three bedroom, two bath house. You've got to make it a lot more interesting, um, a lot more uh, professional looking. And you know, the higher the price, the better. You know, those types of videos definitely do well. But you know, if you're in a market of three hundred thousand dollar homes, you want to step up the videography. That is something I, I believe you want to invest in. You know, walking through there with the selfie stick. Uh, kind of like what we do in neighborhoods. I just don't think that appeals to sellers. So you want to step up production on seller videos if you want to attract sellers uh, because nobody's going to look at a video where you're holding a selfie stick unless you're absolutely hilarious and uh, go, oh yeah, I definitely want this agent to sell my house and do a walkthrough on a selfie stick. But if they see good production, you know, good quality, good music, drone, you know, footage, those types of things. And you can do that on a $300,000 house. You can make it look sexy in video, a little bit more difficult on those, those homes, but can be done. And, and, uh, we did it. It's one of our, a, a very highly viewed video of ours. Uh, we had a listing at 495 and, uh, did the walkthrough on that. And we sold it within nine days. The listing before that, we just sold in three days and it was, that was not a good looking house. Um, uh, we had to go in there. We had to have the seller repaint, move some furniture, get some stuff out. Um, most of the home was empty, which is not ideal for filming. But with camera angles and the way we shot it, we you know we shot around that stuff, and still made the video look very well and was able to sell that home, um, you know, quickly. So 
you know, there, yeah, there's definitely things you can do there. Um, let me see. Emily says, uh, when you publish your first video, do you suggest putting it on your channel for private view to just see all uh, see all looks good? Then when happy, switch from private to public. Thereafter, I'm sure we'd feel more comfortable. Yeah, if they go on the channel, uh, we I mean we have it defaulted. You can do that in your default settings. Everything is is uploaded as unlisted. If it's if it's unlisted, you can in your studio. YouTube studio, you can click on the video and watch it on YouTube. Nobody will be able to find it through search or anything like that, but but you can do that. Now, here's a trick. If you have a playlist and that video is unlisted and you add it to a playlist and you haven't published it yet, it will be visible on a playlist. So that's something you have to be mindful of. If you don't want it seen or you're not going to publish for two or three weeks, don't add it to the playlist until after you publish. So... But uh, well, you know, man, we're coming right up to <laughs> right up to an hour already. Thought that kind of flew by quickly. So, uh, Chrissy, any last minute thoughts you want to add in there? Yeah, I just I would say the number one thing that you want to avoid when you're starting your channel is just don't give up because a lot of people give up. It's something that Levi talks about all the time. You don't want to be that guy that, you know, breaks through the entire wall until he hits, you know, that last layer before the diamonds, right? You don't want to be that person because if you continue to push through and make content with consistency, it may feel like you're you know, running uphill with it sometimes, but those results will come. So I would say that's probably the biggest mistake that is that people give up too early. So just keep pushing on with it. And if you feel like things aren't working out, just keep on coming to our trainings because you'll find what your personal flow is and you'll find what mistakes, you know, you'll, you'll work past those big mistakes that you make at the very beginning. And eventually those leads will come in. There you go. All right, well, I'm off to the races. Actually, I've already been to the races today, but off to more races. <laughs> so uh, so we will see you back here uh, next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Make sure you go to PassiveProspecting.com. Uh, two weeks. We are literally two weeks away from the Passive Prospecting book release. And check out our Facebook group, Passive Prospecting. We're going to be running all kinds of contests, giveaways. Um, we're going to be giving away camera equipment probably some cash prizes, coaching sessions, uh, all kinds of stuff, discounts. Uh, you know, we're, all we need is some five-star reviews on Amazon. So that's it. If you can uh, get the ebook, which will be running an ebook promotion that first week, get the ebook. Uh, we'll be giving away all kinds of things. You'll be entered into, uh, and, and I mean multiple, multiple prizes. So you have several opportunities to win, and I'll be giving away autographed books as well if you buy the ebook uh, up to a certain point at least the first 50 or 100 uh, we'll see how how my hand holds up i'm not used to writing anymore these days is it just me or whenever you sit down and you try to write something your hand starts hurting after like 30 seconds and you're going wait what is that i remember i used to write uh 20 30 page research papers hand write back in high school and stuff and now i try to write for two or three minutes and i first of all i, I forgot how to spell I don't know if that's just me, but uh, when you're physically writing things out now. So, anyways, I'll see how many how many uh, books I can I can run through. Uh, so I do know that uh, we'll we'll just be running all kinds of things. So check in at that time, and we will see you next week.
Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching all for free, schedule a call at fivestarstrategycall.com.